Hello, I'm Dr. Scott Wadier. And I'm Tommy Welling, and you're listening to the Fasting for Life podcast. This podcast is about using fasting as a tool to regain your health, achieve ultimate wellness, and live the life you truly deserve. Each episode is a short conversation on a single topic with immediate actionable steps. We cover everything from fat loss and health and wellness to the science of lifestyle design. We started Fasting for Life because of how fasting has transformed our lives, and we hope to share the tools that we have learned along the way. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Fasting for Life podcast. My name is Dr. Scott Wadier, and I'm here, as always, I'm a good friend and colleague, Tommy Welling. Good afternoon to you, sir. Hey, Scott. How are you? Doing fantastic, my friend. Excited about today's conversation. This is, I cannot believe that I get to say these words. This is episode 150, my friend. Wow. I cannot believe. Wow. Don't worry, we won't do this for too long, but <laughs> I want to celebrate this for just a few seconds because yeah. as we were prepping to roll out these podcast episodes throughout the last quarter of this year and into the holidays and you know, we just had an incredible amount of growth and feedback and just incredible yeah. challenges last fall. So as we were gearing up and I was like, all right, yeah, we're going to record the next batch of podcasts. And I'm like, whoa, 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 we're at 150. Wow. So yeah. it feels like, <laughs> and cool. you're like, that's once a year. And I'm like, what? It's crazy. Yeah. So I had no idea we'd end up here. I don't know about you, but if you're new and you want to learn more about Tommy and I, you can head back and listen to the first couple of episodes, episode zero and episode one give you a little bit of insight into why we started this podcast. And now we're here 150 episodes later, man. It's crazy. Right. Yeah, yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, because I, I was like, wow, I, I remember when we recorded episode 100. And it's just like a really, really good like, go back there and check it out. Like, you know, if you're if you're new, or you need to reset or something else like that. And then it was like, okay, we're, we're 50 more like that's only gonna happen once a year. This is crazy. <laughs> right. But you know, like all the cool conversations that we've had, and it's just it just continues to, to grow and that we continue to, you know, learn and get feedback. And it's just a really, really cool process. So everyone who's who's here who's been listening, thank you for listening. And if you're yep. new, there's just so much to go back and, and actually listen to. It's really cool. Yeah. So we want to give you a starting point today, just like you referenced episode 100, which was, mm -hmm. you know, we, we did a, a wall of fame, we did shared a bunch of the best testimonials and wins that people have sent us over the weeks to months to years now. And then we highlighted some of the most downloaded, most impactful podcast episodes that we had recorded out of the top 100. You know, we've done a lot about metabolic health and disease reversal and weight loss. And we always want to give you one thing that you can take away from an episode and go and just like you heard in the podcast open, if you listen to that catchy music, which I still love, by the way. Good, because it's it's ours, right? But I always love listening to the open, right? That that bed of music that's just so catchy. We have it and I just listen to it on loop sometimes. But we want to give you something actionable. We want to give you something that you can take and put into your into your day to day. So today's conversation is going to be an overview of the tenets of a fasting for life lifestyle. So mm -hmm. we were going to put a number on it, like the 10 tenets, right? And then I'm like, well, right. we, we wrote out a list. We're like, wait, this one pairs with this one. And this one kind of is the similar to this one. So we're going to break it down into a couple of categories today, but this is going to be a great starting place if you are new to the podcast or new to the fasting lifestyle. And if you need some motivation and don't know where to get started, go back and listen to episode 100 after this. And then uh, a lot of people like to just start at the beginning. So we're very grateful for you long-term listeners, as you mentioned as well, Tommy. So thank you for continuing to for be sure. on this journey. So the tenants for a successful 
fasting lifestyle. Because when we first started this, I don't know about you, Tommy, but for me, I had tried everything else and I was like, I just need to get the weight off. And yeah. as I was diving into Dr. Fung's books and the research and schedules and how to fast and how long can I do this? Can I do that? Et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. What's allowed? What's not? I just remember being like, yeah, I don't know if this is good. I've done some fasting with, with keto. Like I couldn't right. keep it off. You know, at this point I had finally identified that it was insulin resistance and my hormone levels were out of whack and my lab work was starting to show it in my mid thirties. Right. Mm -hmm. So it was just kind of like, all right, well, this makes sense to me. So let's do it. Yeah. But what does that look like as a lifestyle? Because losing the weight as quickly as I did really didn't matter if you couldn't maintain those results and make it a lifestyle. And that's kind of where our messaging has shifted, you know, over the weeks to months to years now. Sure. Yeah. When I first stumbled upon fasting, similar to you, it was at a, a point of frustration and desperation, but I wouldn't have identified with the word lifestyle at that point. I wasn't looking at this as a lifestyle tool. I was right. looking at it as a tool in my tool belt to hopefully finally once and for all actually get the weight off, which I hadn't yeah. been able to do, you know, but I couldn't really Without see. doing all the stuff that failed previously. Like, I don't uh, want to do that stuff anymore. Yeah, not again. It's not working. That's the definition right. of insanity, right? Why right, should I keep right. doing that? But but I couldn't have seen past the like 74 pounds and and going past that to actually keep it off long term. That That would have been that would have been really tough to see as a lifestyle. But now looking back over a couple of years and with perspective, you can see that in order to maintain it, you're going to have to adopt some things for the long term, not just the tools that I need to get the weight off, but I'm going to have to adjust this to sustainability for a long term. Yeah. And that's really the sustainability piece is, is where we've shifted our focus to the metabolic health, reversing diabetes, not becoming, you know, we did a bunch of podcasts recently, kind of a little mini series on metabolic health and why fasting is so important and why getting right. the weight off matters and all of the failed attempts, you know, and the misinformation and the stuff that's just out there that isn't working for the majority of people. So I want to start off today's conversation with really focusing on the, you know, a few factors, four or five factors that significantly impact your blood sugar. And then why we're starting there is blood sugar, balancing your blood sugar, bringing down your insulin is going to allow you to not have cravings, to be able to listen to your body intuitively, be able to know what hunger is versus dehydration versus, you know, boredom. Like the, boredom. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're going you're to fast. Why would you starve yourself? Right. That seems ridiculous. I can't go three hours without eating. Okay. Well, okay. Is that good? Really? So that yeah. didn't work for me to stoke that metabolism. So we want to, we want to focus on a few of those factors to begin with, and then sprinkled in throughout today's conversation, we're also going to give you a handful of tips to make the fasting journey easier and things you can look at if you're new to fasting, if you've been stuck, if the results aren't what you think you should be getting, or if you've been fasting and you got away from it and it's time to kind of almost do a reset and really use this as a starting point to set yourself up for the, the most successful end of a year that you could imagine. Because we're, we're in the holidays, it's here, right? Yeah. Halloween's passed, turkey and gravy's <laughs> right around the corner. You can smell it. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's coming, here we go, right? And then we have you know Christmas and New Year's and then boom, here we are, 2022 yeah. is in the books. So I know we've done multiple episodes about you know goals and news resolutions and all that kind of stuff, but Let's not wait because waiting is just, it's silly. Let's start now and how we're going to set this end of the year up 
to be the most successful possible. And we have that last final challenge coming up beginning of December, Tommy, which was our biggest challenge yet. And that's because people are looking at the calendar going, uh-oh, Halloween and Thanksgiving got me. Got to do something. And that's okay yeah. if that's your starting point. But we want to give you some things to look at as you expand that out over the weeks to months to turn fasting into the lifestyle that truly gets the results that you're looking for, never mind just on the scale, mm -hmm. but in your overall health and quality of life. Yeah, and sometimes this conversation starts with a, with a question that we hear often, which is like, how do I fast the right way, right? Like, and I'm putting quotations around right. I really hope I, there's not a right and wrong way. Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of a, a loaded question where, you know, there, there's kind of an assumption there that I might be doing this very wrongly or I may be doing this perfectly. But either way, it's tough to see that there's that there's a wide range of of, you know, ways to fast that work well. There's, you know, water fasting and there's broth fasting and there's dry fasting and there's shorter fast and intermittent and extended and alternate day and and all these other terms but the the point of the matter is that especially in the beginning but at any point you can you can kind of doubt what what you're doing and the trouble with doubt is that it can it can make me less convicted about going forward and I can lose focus sometimes or it can make me feel like oh if the scale stops moving for a couple of days or maybe even a couple of weeks, what I'm doing might not be working. And maybe I'm tempted to throw the baby out with the bathwater, so to speak. And, and that's the exact opposite of, of adopting a sustainable long-term lifestyle right there. So we definitely want to avoid that. Yep. 100%. So let's start with some of the basics. So energy sources in the body, we've got glucose and we've got ketones, right? Mm -hmm. And then you have glycogen, which is the stored form of glucose. So when your body ingests energy, breaks down that food into energy, and then it's either burned or stored, right? Sure. So mm -hmm. when you have glucose, it is in its active form floating around in the bloodstream. Glycogen is stored, the type of sugar that is stored in your muscles or your liver. So mm -hmm. when we're looking at stabilizing blood sugar, the starting point, the first few things we're gonna talk about here is what are the four main levers that are going to affect those blood sugar numbers and, and why it matters most importantly? So if your blood sugar is all over the map and you're getting these higher readings, right? So one of the things that really smacked me in the face when I when I did my uh, I did two two week trials of, of a CGM, a constant glucose monitor. Okay. And I was doing, you know, I was doing some testing with Keto Mojo. And if you don't know what that is, we've got episodes on and testing my blood sugars and my fasting numbers and mm -hmm. doing some sensitivity testing and testing before meals and after meals. What I didn't realize when I first started was you know, per the American Diabetes Association, anything below 140 post meal is normal, but you really don't want to see more than a 30 milligram change in your blood sugar before mm -hmm. and after meal. So if it's 100 oh. before meal and it's 130 after, you're okay. But what'll happen is this is why the standard medical test that we have when you're looking at, um, you know, routine blood work, it's just a tiny little snapshot. It's it's not mm -hmm. showing you exactly what is happening. Let's say if you do a blood test and you do the fasting protocol that you're supposed to do eight hours, and yeah. then you go get your blood work in the morning. Yeah, it may be elevated indicating you know, a, a pre-diabetes or diabetes level, but what's it doing the rest of the time? What's sure. it doing the rest of the day? What foods are altering it? And that what happens then is the more volatile your blood sugar levels are or the higher they go, it can lead to insulin resistance, which is what mm -hmm. we talk a ton about. And that was my problem. The hormone, that hormone insulin um, helps shuttle glucose into the cells for energy, right? 
But right. if you develop resistance to it, then you're going to get low levels of chronic inflammation, oxidative stress. You're going to uh, these are things that are going to lead to all of the host of metabolic conditions that are related to blood sugars. Eight out of mm. the top 10 reasons why people die in the United States is related to insulin in some way. So we want to help balance out those blood sugar levels and get insulin down to reduce that resistance. Right. And yeah. I already alluded to one of the main levers in this intro here, which is mm. your diet, the foods that you eat and those swings that you see aren't the same for everybody. Wow. Yeah. And they're not the same for each type of food that you could be putting on your plate to break your fast either. And they're also not the same responding to each different fast that you might be doing as well. So as we get more consistency with our fasting, we see a better control of those blood sugar numbers. But to know that you're staying within a certain range whenever you um, or eating certain foods can be really helpful. That's why like monitoring what those numbers are can be very helpful, but also actually pairing those up with consistent fast can be part of part of the the beginner's kind of struggle also, which is like, okay, I'm not sure how to like how to do these fasts. I'm also not sure if they're the right fast to be doing, but then how am I responding afterwards too when I'm breaking those fasts, right? So yeah, what food you're putting on your plate and what choices you're making absolutely yeah. play a part of it. So it's interesting. There was this one study I was saying like everybody's a little bit different mm -hmm. where my wife and I, she consumes, she's lean, has zero visceral fat. She's in incredible shape. She works really hard at it mm -hmm. and she can have a lot more carbohydrates than I can, metabolically speaking. Mm -hmm. So there's an example of this study of 800 participants and they looked at the postprandial glucose reading, right? So mm. after you ate, when people ate bread and there were 795 people that range all the way from 44, the blood sugar change, right? So we want to see that 30, that 30 marker, right? As average, okay. they yeah. saw the majority of those people change uh, 44 milligrams, but the bottom 10% mm. was only 15. Okay. Wow. So Okay, there's me and my wife, right? I sniff a carbohydrate, I get tired, insulin spikes, not anymore, thankfully. But then she can, you know, have a couple hundred grams of carbs a day and her body is just optimized to, to use them and not allow that insulin resistance to build. Yeah. So when you're looking at this from a tenants of a fasting lifestyle, keeping it lower in carbohydrates is extremely helpful to the beginner, making sure you're getting a good amount of fiber, right? And mm. things like focusing on, like we say, protein and fat, because then you're going to be releasing things like cholecystokinin and satiety hormones mm. that are going to allow your blood sugar to stay buffered and blunted. So it's not spiking as high and you're going to yeah. stay more hungry. And the biggest thing is really just keeping your plate whole food based, not the refined processed stuff, which we've done episode and had conversations yeah. on in the past. Yeah, I think it's important to mention the fact that as you you know, start the metabolic healing process as you start getting the weight off, as you start reversing these things that we're talking about, understanding that if you did use carbohydrate restriction to make sure that you were keeping those, those blood sugar numbers, you know, within, within the, the right range that you wanted, you don't necessarily have to continue to, to just limit all of those carbohydrates for life, right? Like, like we're talking about lifestyle tenants here, right? Yeah, zooming out to the big picture, absolutely. And that's one of the tips too, is making sure that when you do have opportunities to eat, and we just saw a post about this in the community group recently, where mm. somebody was like, 
Wouldn't OMAD one meal a day be counterintuitive to making sure that you're getting enough nutrients in your diet sure. and enough nutrition? So yeah. one of the things that goes along, yes, diet is one of the, I don't even like that word, nutrition is one of the major, what you're putting on your plate and then ultimately in your mouth is one of the major blood glucose levers, right? But prioritizing those, if you're in a fat loss phase and you're fasting, doing longer, more extended fasts, doing 20, 22 hour, 24 hour, sprinkling in those 36, 48 hour fasts, you're gonna wanna make sure that you're prioritizing that nutrition and what you're putting on your plate when you have the opportunity to do so. Hey, y'all, I wanted to take a second and tell you just an incredible story about an amazing company that we've come across recently. Um, and now they are a sponsor of our show. It's airdoctorpro.com. You can head to the website, use a promo code uh, fasting for life to receive up to $300 off. But most importantly, uh, my little guy, my two-year-old has not slept consistently through the night uh, since he was born. We have tried everything you can imagine. He is our third child. And we're just like, what is happening? So we have gone to great lengths, time, money, and effort to figure out um, how we can help him sleep. And uh, the reality is, uh, we were pretty much just resigned to the fact that this is how it's going to be until we put the Air Doctor Pro in his room. And I am not joking when I tell you the first night that we put it in his room, he slept through the night. The second night, slept through the night. Now we're up to 35 plus days that he has slept through the night. He has only woken up two times rather than two, three times a night, two times in the last 35 days and counting. And we are just so incredibly grateful. The reality is, uh, we had a feeling that it was something that we were missing. And the indoor air, air that we breathe is two to five times more polluted than outdoor air these days. In some cases, up to 100 times more. We spend 90% of our time indoors. And we take 20,000 breaths a day. So what's the solution? An air purifier, a cut above the rest. I'm not going to lie. We have tried others. We've tried other HEPA filters. We've tried other air filters. We have spent the money and they have not done the results that air doctor did in literally the first day that we put it in his room. They filter out 99.99% of dangerous contaminants. That includes pollutants such as allergens, pollen, pet dander, dust mite, mold spores, and even bacteria and viruses. So I don't know what it was that was keeping them up, but it is now gone. So air doctor comes with a 30 day breathe easy money back guarantee. So if you don't love it, send it back for a refund minus shipping. Head to airdoctorpro.com, use promo code fasting for life to receive up to $300 off air purifiers, an exclusive listener um, offer for you as well. You'll receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. That's exclusive to you, the podcast listener, now hearing this in real time. Lock this special offer by going to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code fasting for life. You guys know that we are very particular with who we partner with. And if it wasn't for this incredible company and this, the incredible results that we've seen, I would not be encouraging you to head to the website and take advantage of the Fasting for Life promo code. So if you support our sponsors, you are ultimately supporting us. We are grateful for you listening in. And now back to today's episode. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because that's that's going to matter a whole lot, and then and then what's coming in those those micronutrients that's going to matter a lot. That's also going to help you know regulate things like the hormonal balances that we talked about, and and also electrolytes too, which is going to be an important part of the process, right? Yeah. So micronutrients would be like the four. It would be like I don't know outside looking in of the top four, right? Micronutrients would be another major contributor to the to the glucose levels, right? So. Mm -hmm. 
For sure, absolutely. The micronutrients, the things that you need in smaller amounts, right? And really that's why I just now include a full spectrum, more of like a therapeutic salt, like a Redmond's or a Himalayan salt or a concentrate trace mineral to making, making sure that I'm getting those smaller micronutrient categories taken care of. And if you're eating whole foods, right? The things that actually grow from the ground, then you're going to be getting as much as you possibly can from those nutrition mm. opportunities. And we'll mention a couple of supplements or vitamins here, you know, later on in the conversation, that'd be a good place to start if you feel like you are deficient or not getting good nutrition in during those eating opportunities. Okay, cool. And then, so, you know, what do you want to talk about next? Exercise? Yeah, either ex okay. I mean, we're going we're gonna to go through exercise, stress, and sleep. Yeah. Exercise is, man, it's such a, there's so many, how do I put this? There's so many different <laughs> ways to get movement in that, yeah. you know, the boot camp for me doesn't work. Right. But if you tell me to go walk and like chill out 30 minutes a day or like three or four times a week, post my meals, yeah. man, I'm in heaven. Just get me outside, leave me alone, AirPods in and I'm out. See ya. Yeah. The, the cool thing about that is that all the research that that we've we've gone through some of the studies in the past they they show that you know doing something like 30 minutes after you eat actually going on that walk has a huge effect on what the blood sugar is actually doing so when you're talking about keeping it within that that 30 point you know difference between pre-meal to post meal that's going to go a huge way especially if you're doing something like like concentrating on dinners like whether that's one meal a day dinners or Let's say a lot of people do like a, a 12 p.m. to 6 or 8 p.m. for an, for an eating window, you know, that kind of thing. Going going for those post-meal walks is like, it, it was really counterintuitive for me coming into fasting because I had been always like very, very gung-ho that if I was at the gym lifting very heavy weights, doing just a whole lot of exercise, then my diet was on point. But if I wasn't doing one of those two things, the other one was was tossed out. They They went hand in hand, but they they weren't individually like recognized by me as important things. So the fact that we know that we can move the needle here and we don't have to just be doing a 60 minute spin class, you know, five times a week or something. And that might actually be, that might actually hurt our, our results, especially in the beginning it can be a little bit more than what we, what we should be doing. Yeah. And we see this a lot when, well, yeah, I'm doing all these things and I'm doing the fast, but the scale's still not budging. Okay. Well, and that's why we're going to talk about sleep and stress too. But what is your exercise routine? Well, I work out five to six days a week, you know, 30 mm -hmm. to 60 minutes. It's like, okay, so moderate exercise, moderate heart rate increase hours mm -hmm. after eating is going to help blunt. That's why we say just go for a walk. It's been shown to have a 30% reduction, right? Yeah. So figuring out one of the tips here is yes, exercise is one of the big movers when it comes to blood sugar, but it's also one of the things that we need to be smart with. We can't just go willy nilly, right? We don't want you to stop exercising, mm. but if you're not exercising, we don't want you to jump into the deep end, right? right. So Dr. Fung says, continue the exercise. Eventually you're gonna become fat adapted. Your body's gonna learn to use those ketones rather than glucose. For mm -hmm. Dr. Adia, Peter Atia, he has an entire series on this that you're not going to see strength decreases when you're doing weightlifting or resistance training, that it's actually key to maintaining muscle mass while fasting is getting some form of 
resistance training or yeah. movement in three to four times a week. So one of the things that I see here, Tommy, that people will do is, you know, they'll do a hard workout and then plan to fast the rest of the day, right? Mm. The two mm. things you need to do to be smart with physical activity is place it in your schedule where you know that it's going to set yourself up for success because certain types of workouts will actually increase your hunger. But we yeah. know working out fasted versus fed, the net effect over the next 24 hours is exactly the same. Yeah. So you just need to pick what's right for you. So if you get really hungry after a workout, don't plan to fast the rest of the day. Work out fasted and then break your fast with a good good nutrition opportunity. And then yeah. the second thing would be the hydration and the salt that goes along with that. Yeah, absolutely. Be be smart about that that eating too, you know, like stay away from like highly highly craveable foods right after a workout because you you might intake a little bit more than you were expecting, especially like I like to to pair it up with, you know, maybe a small handful of nuts or maybe some crunchy vegetables or something like that to kind of break that fast and maybe cut the hunger down just a little bit. So I'm not just feeling ravenous, you know, after a hard workout and then go go in and break that fast. And then that hydration piece is, is really key too. So, you know, even like just keeping some salt with you when you go to the gym or, right. you know, just, just keeping around, put it in your water bottle before you go to the gym can be, yeah. can be just huge. Yeah, throw some salt in your pre-workout or in your, I, I like to use, you know, shots of espresso or concentrated cold brew as mm -hmm. a, as a pre-workout when I do need it. Right. Nice. The cool thing about walking again, just like fasting is that I just want to hit on this one last point is they've looked at 15 minute walks after each meal versus a 30 to 45 minute walk midday. Mm -hmm. And over the course of 24 hours, it's about the same effect on blood sugar. So just like if you want to work out fasted versus fed, it's the same effect on muscle building. Right. And that's why there's like when we started the conversation with, well, am I fasting the right way? Well, yeah. there's so many different nuances and variables based on your life, your situation and what you like to do. Yeah. And I would love for you to pick something that you enjoy, right? Because yeah. that's something that's sustainable in that bigger more picture. To stick with it. Yeah. 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 I'm not going to, I'm not going to run. No, that's not me. I'm not a runner, <laughs> but give me a rowing machine and a podcast or a, a documentary man on a screen, I'm, I'll go forever. I love it, yeah. right? So you got to yeah. pick something that you like. One thing I will note is if you do have diabetes or blood sugar related issues, making sure that you're talking to your healthcare provider about what you are doing, because there mm. are going to be medications that you will stop needing as much. Like when insulin comes down, your uh, blood pressure yeah. medication won't be needed by your body. Your body is going to regulate it naturally, which is what we want. Diabetes, you know, exercise, it will actually cause post-exercise, this is why I wanted to mention this, you will see an, a short-term increase in blood sugar. That's because your body dumps, even just with walking, if you're sedentary and you mm -hmm. start walking and you've got diabetes, you yeah. might go for a walk and be like, why did my blood sugar go up 100 points? What? You know, yeah. I I'm supposed to be doing the opposite. Off. Yeah, I think it scares some people off from actually going on that walk, like measure my blood sugar and they're like, oh, I guess, I guess I'm not responding well to that walk. Maybe I should stop. No, I... Yeah. Absolutely not, right? That will stop. That is a transient short-term effect. So do not get scared away by that, but know that it can happen, okay? Yeah. Especially if you're using insulin and those different types of short-term, long-term acting things. So always let your healthcare provider know what you're doing, have a conversation, but be confident that this is the decision you're making for your health and mm. they you need to find somebody that's in your corner. So wow. overview of exercise, 30 minutes of moderate, moderate exercise three to five days a week. So walking is a great place to start. And then a couple of light resistance exercise 
opportunities a week. And if you don't do anything right now, then simply after your meal, just go for a 30 minute walk. Let's keep it as simple as possible for you to make this a lifestyle and build those habits day to day. So love that. The next two stress, Tommy. Stress is an interesting one because it, it piggybacks right off of exercise because where we started the exercise conversation was oftentimes we, we like to do much more intense exercise if we can. And like, if you've, if you've come up with calories in calories out and you've, you know, you know, been using exercise to lose weight, then it's likely that you may have used some intense exercise in the past. Well, that can be a stressor on the body and any stressor on the body can actually affect our, our weight loss results and other things like that. So especially when we're fasting, we want to keep in mind the fact that any of those like chronic stressors can, can affect it too, because any stress signal to the body means, Hey, the easiest thing for the body to do is to release blood sugar, is to release glucose, mm -hmm. to raise blood sugar because we're wired for tiger stress, not for traffic and boss stress. Tiger yeah. stress needs Kid, sugar. Wife, spouse. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. The, the game has changed. We're not playing yeah. the same game. No, we're not. We're not. So physiologically speaking, if we're undergoing these, these different stressors, we're raising blood sugar. And then that's going to be, you know, hitting the, the metabolic health in the opposite direction. As we're going against our, our weight loss results and our, and our fasting, the, the reason why we're fasting, right? Which is to control our, our health and the overall, you know, um, balance within the body. Yeah. Stress is huge. And that was one of the, the three musketeers I like to say for me personally, you know, just mention it real quick is it was my poor sleep and wearing it as a badge of honor that I didn't yep. need a lot of sleep. I did. It was that. my chronic low level stress being in full-time practice, married, new to marriage, little one mm. on the way, all of that, right? Cortisol yep. levels were constantly high, you know, because of that stress, because of that increased you know, blood sugar that, that gets dumped into the system, right? To get, to get yeah. away from the tiger that's chasing us back <laughs> in the day. Now it's Houston traffic, but yeah. <laughs> that level, that low level chronic stress can lead to insulin resistance. So I had mm. the midsection visceral adiposity, the visceral fat. I had yeah. the sleep, I had the stress and I had the years of, you know, bulking, cutting, bulking, cutting, bulking, cutting. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it was part of that, that trifecta that was really contributing to the fact that losing the weight was getting harder, sticking to those low calorie, eat less, move more plans was getting more difficult. Yeah. So one of the things you can simply do here is tapping into the rest and digest or the parasympathetic nervous system, which is just diaphragmatic breathing. Hmm. Simply can decrease their cortisol. There's a research yeah. article that they had 20 sessions per week, and this can be done in three to five minutes or less once you oh, get good cool. at it. Yeah. And I used to use something called RMT, which is release med meditation technique. And mm -hmm. I still use it from time to time, but not necessarily as much, you know, going from, you know, stay at home dad one day to, you know, business the next day to clinic the next day mm -hmm. or all three of those things, excuse me, in one day, taking those few minutes and just sitting down and being like, all right, let me just breathe here the proper way. And you yeah. can help blunt that cortisol spike, ultimately, you know, taking away that blood sugar dump. And wow. that, that study was incredible because it was in type two diabetics and it showed that fasting blood glucose and post meal glucose levels were majorly decreased in nine weeks. I don't remember the exact number, but in a short yeah. period of time, your body was able to adapt, which is incredible. One of the tips that goes along with this, you know, 
blood glucose lever, like what levers can we pull, is the listening to your body part of this, which is fasting can also be a short-term stress on your system. Sure. So listening to your body and knowing how you're feeling is also part of this sustainability equation and fasting lifestyle process. Yeah, and I feel like a big one of those flags that kind of go off from your body is is sometimes telling you, hey, you know what? It'd be a good time to rest right now. And that, that's a reason why like sleep is a big lever for blood sugar, but it's also one of those things that goes along with listening to your body because like you mentioned before, wearing that, like, I don't need that much sleep as a badge of honor is really, if you think about it, one of the ways that we ignore our body sometimes when it's trying to tell us something important. So when we start fasting, especially when we, we start to get a little bit more metabolically flexible, um, but before that happens, actually, we can, we can sometimes be transitioning between more sugar burning to more fat burning. That can be, that can feel very tiring sometimes. And so sometimes all we need to do really is rest, chill out for a little bit, control the external stressors that might be adding up and probably stay hydrated. But those I need to rest signals, if we're not careful, they could be easy to ignore or to misinterpret. Yeah, the short term action here versus the long term goal is where it kind of gets a little clunky. Be like, well, for me, it was like, all right, well, that's not going anywhere. Like, my stress isn't going anywhere. My poor sleep, right. out of control, we have a new baby. Yeah, those situations, okay, great. Yeah, totally yeah. understand, right? But it's putting that intentionality and that thought process into listening to, like you said, how you're feeling throughout the day. So mm -hmm. I know if I have a bad night of sleep that my cravings and my 1 to 3 p.m. is going to be worse the next day. I can't have like yeah. a nice creative like workflow like, oh, I got to go and build a new course between one and mm -hmm. three not happening or it's <laughs> going to be really hard to do because of the poor sleep from the night before. Could be so, hard to stick to your fast too, right? Like, yeah, that, that's going to be harder, right? hundred percent. And that's we did a whole episode, multiple episodes on sleep because of how important it is. So I just want to highlight mm -hmm. a couple of things here. But looking at the blood glucose levers, right? So we've, we've already talked yeah. about diet. We've talked about exercise. We've talked about stress. And now we are going to talk about sleep. They're all related. Okay. Mm -hmm. So when we're looking at the qualitative versus quantitative metrics, when it comes to sleep, sleep is so incredibly important and vital for optimal metabolism, insulin sensitivity, which is the good action of insulin, not resistance, right? Insulin resistance, bad insulin sensitivity, good. Right. And glucose variability, meaning your body being able to ingest a certain type of food and have a normal response to it. So just simply, mm. you know, five nights of sleep deprivation, right? So four hours of sleep a night. These people that were not metabolically unhealthy, these people were healthy weight, healthy age, healthy males, five nights of sleep deprivation, four hours of sleep per night, their metabolic profile switched to a type two diabetic in Five days. Wow. Wow. 40% slower rate of clearing your blood sugar out of your bloodstream. Wow. Right? So That's I wasn't bad. in the four hour category, but I was in that five and a half to six range. Sure. So the magic yeah. number is really seven when it seven. comes to sleep. Seven hours of sleep. Yeah. Set, set the target there. Start 
protecting everything else that's going around. But the cool thing is that I, I feel like fasting really kind of supports that, that sleep component too, because like one of the hardest things to break, one of the biggest cravings can be like that salty or sweet nighttime snacking kind of, you know, kind of craving, right? Like that's a big habit that was in my family. But yep. when you set out to go, okay, well, I had dinner, I, I closed my eating window, whatever that looked like for you. And then you set your timer, which setting the timer is, is huge too. But once you set that timer and it's going to be, it's going to be sometime tomorrow, let's say when I'm breaking that fast, all of a sudden I have the ability to go, okay, no more food like nothing else. Like there's no snacks. There's no, there's no ice cream coming in tonight. That's fine. I'm, I'm protecting my sleep right then, right then and there, because I've had less things coming in. There's less digestion that has to go on. There's less blood sugar spikes that happen right before I'm, I'm going to bed. And that sleep right there is, is protected. That's going to be a better, it's going to be a longer, higher quality sleep than with previous bouts of, you know, snacking or later night eating and stuff like that. This also, yeah, this also taps into the listening to your body thing too, right? Mm -hmm. Like going to bed and not eating a late meal versus eating a late meal and having a bad night of sleep, yeah. sleep wins. And it's hard to do sometimes. And when you first start fasting and you get through the extended fast, and let's say you're doing your first 24 hour plus fast, mm -hmm. those first couple of nights, you might be awake and your body's burning through and your liver switches on between two and 4 a.m. and it's, you're awake and you're like, okay, well now what? I want to encourage you that this doesn't last, okay? Mm. Most times, the more consistent you are with your fasting windows and the more consistent you are with the three other tenants here, managing the stress to a reasonable level or at least having something to do when it hits, getting movement besides in eating. simply, besides eating, right? Simply right. as walking. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a whole, <laughs> man, we've done so many conversations on that, right? And then making sure that you're putting the proper nutrition opportunities when you do break your fast. Because the last thing we want to be doing is fasting and then eating a bunch of crap and undoing all that hard work oh, um, and point. not getting that nutrition in. So yeah. a couple more things on sleep here. If you're struggling with <laughs> cravings or you're struggling with feeling full, like you just you could just eat and eat and eat and eat and eat. Yeah. Never mind is lack of sleep related to increased inflammation, which then can block the C-reactive proteins, can then block the actual effectiveness of your hunger hormones so they don't mm. get to the brain. But you're going to throw out the balance of those hunger hormones with poor sleep patterns. So yeah. you can have all the intent intentionality in the world to set a fasting window. And mm -hmm. we're going to talk about one of the tips here. Keep periods of fasting to a scheduled, reasonable time frame. And you already mentioned using a timer, right? Right. A yeah. little bit of intentionality, a little bit of scheduling and a little, little bit of reasonableness added into the equation. I don't know if that's a word, but yeah, it goes a long way. Yeah. Right. So those hunger hormones, if you have a poor night of sleep that next day, know that it's coming. Your blood sugar levels that sleep, a mover of the blood sugar levels, right? Yeah. As we shared with the research and that, that study of the young men with the four hours, right? 40% change in just five nights. They now had the metabolic profile of a type two diabetic in just five nights. Yeah. No, that your cravings or your inability to get full, right? Like when we say eat to satiety, yeah. that's part of listening to your body, but that's not something you can't do. That's not something you can figure out for you unless you've gone through it. Mm. And that's why one of the other tips is keep periods of fasting to a scheduled reasonable time frame, and almost picture it like wading into the water at like, like the beach 
or yeah. at the resort pool where they've kind of got like you kind of can go in they've got the fountains it's right a ramp. You get a little, yeah yeah it's a little ramp into your fasting schedule i love that analogy because i feel like there's so many it, it could almost feel random i guess where people start out with with fasting because it just depends on what you were exposed to you know was it was it simply a skip breakfast recommendation or was it a 12 hour or a 16 or 18 or was it an omad or did you hear somebody about somebody doing like a five day fast or a 10 day fast or something like that. So the the initial starting point for that question, am I fasting the right way? And, and how you perceive the answer of it can really depend on how you got started with fasting. So I, f- I feel like keeping it simple and breaking it down to something that's, that's A, scheduled, and then B, reasonable for you, that's where, that's where we should be starting or that's where we should be resetting even if you've been doing this for a long time, because setting that timer, setting the intentionality for it, and then knowing what your actual plan is, it doesn't have to be a five-day fast. It, it can be a 16-hour fast, but doing that is going to start the process of like rebalancing and yep. potentially, yeah, and potentially dropping the weight if there is weight to drop. Now, there's so many more factors like the sleep and and especially like the the nutrition. And then what else am I doing? How is my exercise or movement? There's a lot of factors, obviously. But if we can simplify it and then we can actually get consistency with those simple steps, that's going to start taking us somewhere rather than being like, ah, man, I'm, I'm just not sure how to interpret the results whenever things aren't happening, like the scale's not moving. Yeah. And that so a few of those other tips we're going to go over now really tap into that what you were just illuminating right there, which is mm-hmm. the, should I be doing it this way? Like, no, simplicity is really the key for longevity here for sustainability. Yeah. Right. So a few things you can do during your fasting windows, right? Know that hunger is going to come, but you got to keep your mind busy. Have a to-do list, right? Mm-hmm. Use black coffee, use cold water, use your Himalayan salt or your sea salt. You can even add things like, you know, cinnamon or essential oils to water to give yourself, just distract yourself and get away from the fact that it's like, you got 50 pounds to lose, you're not hungry, okay? You got enough energy stores to burn through. You just need to get to the point where you can tap into them. So staying busy Mm -hmm. is one, staying hydrated smartly, right? We already talked about that with exercise. If you're gonna sweat, make sure you're adding in those extra trace minerals or Himalayan salt or sea salt to help balance those electrolytes. Drinking more just water is not the solution. It's using the electrolytes smartly. And then, you know, we talked about having patience with the process, like yeah. knowing that you're going to be wanting to be listening to your body throughout this process and seeing how you feel. So maybe journaling will be helpful for some. But I think the last one here, Tommy, as we talked about, you know, what to do, set the timer, be intentional. But then when you break your fast, we really need to know, like, that's the other half of the equation, too. We already talked yeah. about diet and the food choices. But the way to break your fast, especially if you're pushing into those longer fasting windows, also yeah. matters. Yeah, when you get past like that 16, 18 hour mark, it, it really can be to the point where the first thing that, that you use to break your fast is going to start to matter more. So I, I feel like focusing on things that are that are promoting which mode my body is in at that point, you almost start to you get the the me- metabolic shift towards the fat burning away from so much of the sugar burning that you might have been used to, especially if you've been gaining weight for a while or lately before you started fasting. 
if you if you're not used to a a lower carbohydrate diet that's okay you don't have to be necessarily but breaking your fast with something small and something that's that's lower on the carbohydrate side can be very very helpful maybe some crunchy vegetables celery carrots cucumbers are good maybe with a little salt and pepper but you also have things that are that are a little bit more fatty too like maybe a small serving of olives or almonds or other nuts those can be very helpful ways to to break the fast as well yeah one thing to do too because we talked about exercise one thing not to do is just to slug a protein shake once your window opens post-workout either that's white is very quickly digesting so i would definitely do what tommy just said over just going to slam a protein shake and trying to prioritize your protein and your fats right don't start your meal with it, but make sure that in that meal, you have the ability to get in. Like if you usually eat one chicken breast, add another one, sit down, eat slower, get, get the food in, give your body the nutrition, open up, like mm-hmm. you don't have to rush it or cram it like, like an eating challenge, yeah. but make sure that you're going to be <laughs> focusing on those proteins and fats during your eating window. Cause those are the things that are going to help stabilize the blood sugars. And they're also going to keep you fuller longer just think about Mm. the chinese food example right eat chinese food lots of rices and carbs and all this stuff and like 10 minutes later you're hungry again okay that's not oh yeah the sauce man all that yeah all those yummy sauces right yeah so (laughs) for sure make sure that you are breaking the fast gently and then some things are going to work for some of y'all and some aren't you know digestive changes are going to happen they don't last forever running to the bathroom isn't going to happen all the time. It might happen the first couple of times post fast, feeling a little nauseous or a little sluggish after a larger meal, breaking your fast. Yeah, you probably need a little bit more time maybe to look at your hydration. So we talked about the four significant blood glucose levers, right? And then we've given and sprinkled some of those tips in throughout fasting time. But if we're going to zoom out to big picture here of how to make this a lifestyle, really, you have to you have to go through some of the trial and error Mm-hmm. to figure out what works for you. Cause you can go and just get on Dr. Google and you can look like, what is the best intermittent fasting schedule? Sure. Yeah. Well, some people are going to say, well, you shouldn't go past 18 hours. Some people are going to say you shouldn't ever do a 24 hour fast. Some people are going to say 12 hours, the 12, 12 split is the ideal fasting window. Mm-hmm. Well, not if you're insulin resistant and your cravings are crap and you don't exercise and your sleep's out of whack and you're stressed to high heavens, you're never going to get there. So you have mm-hmm. to go through these trials and use some of these tenants and these tips to actually put it into practice and see how, again, see how your body responds to it. Yeah, I, I really feel like a great place to start is, is going to, to do like something simple. Like we've talked about simplicity is key throughout this process. So starting somewhere like with the Fast Start Guide or with the mini masterclass for OMAD for one meal a day can be really, really helpful place to start or to kind of go for a reset if you've been doing this for a while. So check out the website, thefastingforlife.com and and check out the the Fast Start Guide and the mini masterclass that goes along with it. So just 20 quick minutes to put one meal a day fasting into your life, which is a really, really cool place to kind of keep it simple, keep it intentional, see what's working, see what's not working, and then be able to to change a couple of things too without, without feeling like you need a whole new process to do that because that can really feel overwhelming and discouraging in the moment. So you, you really can get some good feedback that way. So I, I really like that as a, as a good place to start. The community group is so awesome, man. I love mm. the types of conversations that we now see versus when we first started the group. 
it was like, you know, if you're new, you may or may not have heard us say the first two rules of fasting when you start are don't talk about fasting yeah, and true. don't talk <laughs> about fasting because people don't know about it. So they reject it or they judge sure. in, inherently. Well, why scared would you do that? It. What scared yeah. of it? Right. Oh, I could yeah. never go that long without food. Right. So especially spouses, significant others, partners, kids, sure. you know, family, yeah. friends. So can be a sensitive situation for some. So the community group is a really great place to just come and be around like-minded individuals. The majority mm -hmm. of people that end up in that group come from this podcast or have been fasting with some level of experience. So tons of experience, tons of camaraderie. Yes, you'll get the mini masterclass and the fast start guide, six simple steps to one meal a day fasting, but just I just absolutely love the conversations and how they're continuing to evolve as the group continues to grow. So Tommy, Very fun cool. conversations today as we wrap up yeah. today's combo. The tenants to a fasting for life lifestyle sprinkled in some tips and tricks along the way as well. Hope you guys get something out of it. We love to hear from you. Drop us a review for the five star kind yes. that tells the Facebook world, uh, excuse me, the digital world, the podcast gods that we are delivering value and we'll continue to pump out these episodes as we go. And as we wrap up episode 150, Woo. You know, let's just keep going, man. We're, we don't plan on stopping. So maybe one nope. day we'll be able to add a comma, right, to yeah. the episode list, right? Ooh. So the 1,000th episode, I don't know oh, how many years crazy. that is. That would be pretty crazy. <laughs> All right, so let's just go for 200 next. Okay. Absolutely. All right. Tommy, thank you for the conversation. As always, sir, we'll talk soon. Cool. Thank you. Bye. So you've heard today's episode, and you may be wondering, where do I start? Head on over to thefastingforlife.com and sign up for our newsletter where you'll receive fasting tips and strategies to maximize results and fit fasting into your day-to-day -day life. While you're there, download your free Fast Start Guide to get started today. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure to leave us a five-star review, and we'll be back next week with another episode of Fasting for Life.